0: All right, uh, lift off, and the clock has started.
1: We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. This
0: is uh, Base here. The Eagle has landed. Discovery, go it, throttle up. And lift off, the final lift off
1: of Atlantis. On the shoulders of the space shuttle, America will continue the dream.
0: This is The Space Shot, episode 381, and I'm John Molnix. This is the last show for 2018, and in this episode, we're going to take an overview of what's happened in space in 2018, focusing on some of my favorite events. It was a hectic year for me personally, and in the spaceflight industry. I guess not hectic, but extremely busy is a little bit better description. So let's start off in January. Jiminy, Apollo, and shuttle astronaut John Young passed away in January of 2018. He flew on Gemini 3, Gemini 10, Apollo 10, and Apollo 16. He walked on the moon and spent three days on the lunar surface with astronaut Charlie Duke. He also drove the lunar rover, putting it through its paces on the lunar surface. After Apollo, Young continued to be active at NASA. He and astronaut Robert Cribbin became the first astronauts to fly on the Space Shuttle during the STS 1 mission. His final space flight was on STS 9, another flight of the Space Shuttle Columbia, in 1983. He officially retired from NASA in 2004, which meant that he worked at the agency for over 42 years. During his career, he flew in four different types of spacecraft, the Jiminy Capsules, Apollo Command Modules, Charlie Brown and Casper, the Lunar Module Orion, and the Space Shuttle Columbia. Young is also remembered for the infamous Corned Beef Sandwich incident during Jiminy 3. He is missed. The secretive Zuma mission launched on January 7, 2018. Nearly a year later, there's still no official word on what happened, but it's likely that the payload failed to separate from the second stage of a SpaceX Falcon 9. Northrop Grumman purchased a payload adapter for use on this mission. They opted for a design that wasn't built by SpaceX. It's likely that SpaceX was not at fault for this failure. Had there been an issue with the Falcon 9, the company would have likely stood down from the launch attempt of the Falcon Heavy in February. Which brings us to our next highlight of 2018.
1: Four, three,
0: two, one. Four, three, two, one. SpaceX launched the Falcon Heavy on its maiden flight on February 6, 2018. The company launched a Tesla Roadster and Starman on a heliocentric orbit that takes it out past Mars. SpaceX has two Falcon Heavy launches scheduled for 2019. During one of these launches, LightSail 2 will tag a ride, along with some other small spacecraft. LightSail is a small CubeSat-sized solar sail that was funded and developed by the Planetary Society. LightSail 2 was also crowdfunded through Kickstarter, which is pretty cool, and me, like thousands of other people, contributed to the fund, so I'm excited to see it lift off. In March of 2018, theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking passed away. His contributions to theoretical physics and cosmology are quite extensive. He lived an incredible life and shared the wonders of the cosmos in a way that's accessible to all. This is something that happened in 2016, but it's still worth noting. On March 1, 2016, astronaut Scott Kelly returned to Earth after spending 340 days in space. I got his book, Endurance, last Christmas, and it's an excellent read, so as we approach the third anniversary of his return, I suggest you give it a read or listen through Audible. Last April, SpaceX launched the TESS, or Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, from Space Launch Complex 40. TESS is designed to search for planets that transit in front of nearby stars, and it's hoped that TESS will shed light on worlds that are smaller in size than Neptune and help catalog them for future observation. TESS is designed to survey 85% of the sky, focusing on stars that are much closer to Earth than the Kepler Space Telescope was able to do. In May of 2018, the Mars InSight lander launched from Vandenberg Air Force Base. This was the first interplanetary launch from California. InSight's mission is just getting started, so I'm excited to see what kind of science is sent back from that spacecraft in 2019. SpaceX launched their Block 5 Falcon 9 variant for the first time in May of 2018. The cool thing about this core is that it was launched two more times during 2018. Its second flight was in August, and its third, which is a record for SpaceX, was in December. Reusability of Falcon 9 cores is central to SpaceX's strategy, so it's great to see the company launch and reuse the first stage of their rocket repeatedly. NASA lost contact with the Mars Opportunity rover on June 10, 2018. Massive global dust storms on Mars prevented the rover's solar panels from gathering the needed energy during the Martian day to survive the harsh, cold Martian nights. Efforts to reestablish contact with the rover will continue through January of 2019. Opportunity traveled nearly 30 miles and has been in operation for almost 15 years at the time of entering into hibernation. Hopefully there's a dust devil that can clean those panels off enough for the rover to resume operations, but getting 15 years out of a rover that was designed to only operate for 90 days is quite the bargain. We are lucky to have had Opportunity operating for so long. Fingers crossed that Oppie wakes up this January before NASA stops listening. In August, the United Launch Alliance launched the Parker Solar Probe on a Delta IV heavy rocket. Parker Solar Probe will study our sun, coming closer to Sol than any other spacecraft to date. As it passes close to the sun, Parker Solar Probe will reach speeds of up to 120 miles per second at perihelion. At that speed, Parker Solar Probe could cover the distance from New York to Los Angeles in about 20 seconds. Here's a bit of my chat with ULA CEO, Tori Bruno, where we discuss the Parker Solar Probe. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned the trajectory because that's something I wanted to touch on too, is a lot of times it's harder to launch to the sun than it is to the outer planets. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it is actually much harder to get into the sun than it is to say, get out to Pluto.
1: So our previous speed record was new horizons, Mm -hmm. you know, 36,000 miles per hour when it left Earth. This one was even faster, 43,000 miles per hour leaving Earth, and after its seven Venusian flybys, fastest human object ever in the universe at 430,000 miles an hour, an incomprehensible speed. Why is it hard to get to the sun? Because we're already orbiting the sun. So I think intuitively people would imagine, well, you know, the sun, it's this giant gravity well and you'll just fall into it. But you and I are orbiting the sun right now at 67,000 miles per hour. And if we're going to get any closer to the sun, we have to take that velocity back out and change the energy of our orbit to get there. That's why it's so hard. And this is a really neat mission because it involves some pretty clever orbital mechanics. So we sent that spacecraft on its way. It'll have its first close encounter with the Sun, its first perihelion. It'll still be pretty far out in November. And then about every third orbit around the Sun, it's gonna have a near interaction with Venus that will tighten it up and pull that perihelion, pull that minimum orbit distance from the sun closer and closer and closer until it's less than 4 million miles from the surface of the sun, literally flying through the corona. No spacecraft has ever done that. And we expect to get groundbreaking science from that.
0: Well, I mean, the corona, like if you've seen an eclipse before, you can see the sun's corona from that. So that's just wild to think that it's going to be flying through that.
1: Imagine. And it's a a million degrees, right? One of the great sort of mysteries about the sun that will hopefully be resolved by this mission is why is the surface of the sun, which is closer to the core where the heat is coming from 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit but the corona is a million degrees obviously there's theories about that but
0: this spacecraft will probably give the definitive answer that sounds incredible and you know it's, it's, it's humbling to think how little we still know about the star that we orbit around so being able to be involved with this mission i'm sure that's probably one of the highlights for you it is it's very exciting
1: you know everybody here loves rockets i really love rockets but what really gets us up in the morning is being connected to the missions that we get to support and this mission was special and in, in a whole nother way in that regard in that that uh dr parker was there with us yeah. He did the research that predicted the the existence of solar wind and published way back in 1958 and took a lot of criticism. I think people thought he was a kook at the time. And, of course, later, a few years later, it was discovered that he was absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. Space is not an empty vacuum. There's all sorts of things happening in space. And now we get to, 60 years later, actually fly a mission to the sun and get all of the th- answers that go with that original research, and he was there to see it. 91 years old. It was really cool.
0: In September, a United Launch Alliance Delta II rocket lifted off for the last time. I was bummed I couldn't make it out to Vandenberg for this launch, as I had always wanted to see a Delta II launch in person. Sadly, work and scheduling just didn't work out. The Delta II carried the ICE Sat 2 satellite into orbit. ICESat-2 will use lasers to measure the height of ice sheets, sea ice, and glaciers in incredible detail. The laser instrument on ICESat-2 can send 10,000 laser pulses per second, which allows it to make measurements every 2.3 feet. The accuracy of this satellite allows it to see changes as small as 4 millimeters from space, roughly 310 miles up in its orbit. The European Space Agency and Japanese Space Agency BEPI-Colombo mission launched to explore Mercury in October of 2018. The spacecraft will arrive at Mercury in late 2025, which is quite the cruise duration. The European Space Agency notes that the spacecraft will experience temperatures of over 650 degrees Fahrenheit during its one-year prime mission. On October 11th, 2018, the Soyuz MS-10 launch saw a dramatic, quite dramatic, I still remember watching that live, in-flight abort with cosmonaut Alexey Ovechkin and American astronaut Nick Haig powering away from the Soyuz rocket in a ballistic and quite dramatic re-entry. They'll be launching again to the space station soon, so keep an eye out for an update on their mission here in just a little bit. In November, Voyager 2 crossed into interstellar space, becoming the second spacecraft to do so. The Voyager spacecraft are incredible machines that will continue to send back some scientific data through 2020 for Voyager 2 and through 2021 for Voyager 1. The Kepler Space Telescope's mission ended in 2018. The Kepler Space Telescope discovered an incredible amount of planets over its lifetime. And it's exciting to know that this foundation will be expanded upon by the TESS, or Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, in the coming years. On December 1st, I attended the Earth Rising event at the Cosmosphere, which was really the highlight for space in 2018 for me personally. It was awesome to be able to share that event with family, and I made a lot of new friends, and I'm looking forward to seeing all of you again at another space event in the near future. You can check out the Earth Rising audio in Episodes 379 and 380. In December, the OSIRIS-REx spacecraft arrived at the asteroid Bennu. It's going to be exciting to see information come back from this spacecraft as it orbits that asteroid. Also in December, the Chinese Changi 4 mission launched to explore our moon. China's going to attempt to land on the far side of the moon, something that's never been attempted before. This landing is due to take place in the next couple of days, and I'll be sure to link to that live stream if there is one as that approaches. It will be exciting to see a landing on the far side of the moon, and hopefully there will be some great images to go along with this mission. Speaking of something that's never been done before, the New Horizons spacecraft will pass by the distant icy object Ultima Thule around midnight tonight. Ultima Thule is the most distant object ever visited by a spacecraft. It's roughly 1 billion miles past Pluto. In the next episode, I'll share some audio from the flyby. Also, be on the lookout on Facebook for images as they come in. I will also link to a live stream so you can check out this historic flyby yourself. Check out the show notes or Facebook for the link. Looking ahead to 2019, we're in for another busy year. From hop tests for SpaceX's Starship or Super Heavy rocket to the commercial crew flights, which will be coming up quite soon for the uncrewed missions, we're going to have quite the exciting year in 2019. I hope that all of you will continue to join me as we embark on another year together. Thank you to everyone that listens, follows the page on Facebook, and shares the content with their friends. In January, I'm also going to be launching a Patreon page for the podcast. This will help me cover the expenses related to hosting, Adobe Creative Cloud, and the other services I utilize for the show. Details on the Patreon page will be available in the next episode. If you're new to the space shot, I would appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a review. More reviews help more people find out about the show, and I'd appreciate it if you could help me spread the word. Until next time, have a happy new year. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.